This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vits in partnership with the Latsati Healing Space. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Justice for Women Plus with Rosie Mutena and Vawa Fem. In this podcast, I want to unpack what rape culture is. Rape culture is not a myth. In fact, it's very real. It's incredibly dangerous and it affects us all. The term was originally coined in the 1970s and uh, it actually appeared in a book titled Rape, the first source book for women, which was published uh, by the New York Radical Feminist Collective in 1974 and then later on explored in an in-depth documentary titled Rape Culture. In the film, uh, it illustrates uh, what rape culture is through the voices of men, women, including rapists, victims, prisoners, rape crisis workers, and the media. So what is rape culture? It's basically a culture in which sexual violence is treated as a norm, where victims are blamed for their own assaults. It's not just about sexual violence, but about how cultural norms and institutions and and communities and churches, how they protect rapists, how they promote impunity, how they shame victims and survivors and demand that the victims and survivors, which in most cases are women, make unreasonable sacrifices to avoid sexual assault. Rape culture treats rape as a, as a problem to be solved through improving the behavior of potential victims who a lot of the time, as I mentioned, are women or children rather than improving the behavior of potential rapists. Now, perfect example, I know in my family we have that, and and I've heard in many other families and other communities that there's always that one uncle when he comes over, the young girls are then sent to their room or told to dress appropriately because of the uncle that's coming over. That's a perfect example of rape culture. Instead of ostracizing the rapey uncle, you're putting blame and ostracizing the victim or survivor. We also see a lot of rape culture when we talk about high-profile rape um, scandals or sexual assaults at universities or schools or in the military, especially if it's against high-profile people, Bill Cosby, R. Kelly, DJ Fresh, Carlo Matabani, Woody Allen, Roman Polanski, just to name a few. But those crimes aren't rape culture. They're the products of it because of their stature, because of their place in society, because of their proximity to power, to resources, sometimes even to politics, they are protected. Another example, the two DJs that I mentioned, South African DJs, with multiple allegations against them. One of them was called doxing. And now, for those of you who don't know, doxing is when you put somebody's personal details out onto the web. And what he did was he fabricated a WhatsApp message lied, stating that uh, he's the person who's accused him of rape, um, his victim, apologized to him. So number one, he created a WhatsApp uh, message, which was, which was incorrect, it was a lie. And then he also put her telephone number on. And in this day and age, it, it takes 20 minutes to figure out if a WhatsApp message is real or not. And of course, it was discovered and uh, investigators were brought in, cases were brought against him and so forth, but nothing ever happened. Nothing ever happened to him. But in terms of the victim, it created another high sense and high level of emotional abuse because her personal details were out in the, on the net. 
and it opened up that door for his supporters to threaten her with rape, to threaten her with death, to try and intimidate her. So basically forcing another level of abuse onto what she's already been going through. Rape culture allows somebody to do that and get away with that. And what makes matters worse is that a publication, a registered publication, printed that WhatsApp message. So now the message was sent further across to their readers. And without verifying the source, knowing very well that it's a lie, the institution, the ombudsman that's supposed to protect the citizen on the street from this, after many multiple applications were made by the public and of course by the victim herself, it was proved that the journalist had printed something that was incorrect, that it was a lie. And instead of doing a proper retraction with a proper apology, a feeble one-liner was then given. Why? Because rape culture allows for that. Recently, a political party put these, gave these two DJs a platform, knowing very well of the various allegations and of, of this other case with the doxing and so forth. And although this political party has the so-called GBV desk, allowing two known perpetrators to come onto their platform shows allegiance with the perpetrators and solidarity with them. And we also need to understand that although rape culture has its roots in long-standing patriarchal power structures that were designed to benefit men, today's rape culture also burdens men too. We can't uh, ignore the fact that men can also become victims of rape and sexual assault from women or from same-sex same partners. Perfect example, Sumizi and his estranged husband, Mokhale, when he came out against with the allegations, the high level of vile insults and mockery and verbal abuse and saying that, well, there's no way that men, if men are fighting, it's, no, it's not known as gender-based violence, that, that, that it could never be rape, that it could never be abuse. Of course it can be. Rape culture makes us believe that gender-based violence cannot happen in every relationship, and it can. There's that term, different terminologies that people use. Ah, she's such a cocksucker. Or, well, she was wearing a short dress, she deserved it. Ah, come on, man, you know you want it. There's also another serious problem, also known as coercion. And to unpack this a little bit more, I've spoken to two people on the street just to understand what other people see and, and fathom and what they've been through in terms of coercion, what's happened to them. So here are their two voice notes. And uh, if you, of course, want to discuss this, if you want to unpack it further, send us a message. We're on all social media platforms, either Rosie Mutena or Lidzatsi Healing Space. Let's talk, because rape culture, coercion, verbal abuse, it's happening to all of us. Thanks so much for listening. This memory is something I've pushed to the back of my head that I choose not to think about. I'm, I'm ignoring it, and um, I know I need to face it to deal with it and heal from it. But I think it took me some time to actually see it for what it was. Um, and I was a victim of coercion during sex, which is something I think a lot of people are un unclear about. Um, I was until I went through an experience that I knew I was uncomfortable in. 
And then afterwards, I, I did my research to find out what exactly happened to me. So during intercourse with someone, um, I, I was coerced into having sex without protection, even though I had said, um, I didn't want to have sex without protection many times. Um, um, the man eventually got into my head and just kind of convinced me that it would be better, it would um, be for my pleasure if we just um, threw the condom out. And um, I, I wasn't comfortable with it, but I eventually did let him take it off. And um, afterwards... I was very uncomfortable. I was very unsettled. Um, I didn't know what had happened to me, but I knew something was definitely wrong with what had happened. And um, the manipulation that he he did to me in making me change my mind is not something that I I um, wanted to do. So um, I think coercion is something that is definitely overlooked. Um, and it's something that's happening to a lot of people. Um, I was lucky to not contract something, some um, disease or STI or virus um, from that experience, but that's not the case for many other people. And um, yeah, I think from that experience, I just had to, um, to learn how to be strong and um Realize that my opinions matter and what I want during sex matters. What I want during sex matters. And how I want sex also matters. It's not about pleasing somebody else. It's about um, a pleasurable experience for both parties. And um, I think I learned a lot from that experience that I had. Um, and I don't address it much. But um, I think I've taken what I can from that experience and it's made me a better person in understanding um, my own needs and what I want. So um, I just want to tell women out there that their feelings matter during intercourse, in a relationship, in every single instance. Your feelings matter and don't ever overlook something that makes you feel uncomfortable even if you don't have the words to explain it if you don't necessarily know how to put it into words that feeling matters and you can't ignore it and it's worth it to do some research and understand exactly why you're feeling the way you're feeling I was raped by coercion three times and for the longest time I'd blamed myself for what had happened and how it had happened because rape by coercion is more of a subtle violation, you know, compared to how rape has always been portrayed. It's always been portrayed so violently that like maybe somebody pins you from one side of the room to the other side of the room. Um, you know, it's like a fight um, or, you know, you hear people being raped in tunnels and then being killed or raped in bushes and then being killed or you know, raped in the street so violently. And um, what my experience was, was that it wasn't violent, but it was a violation. So 
in that moment it's a, it's, it takes a moment to process what is happening to you and it's only after the fact that the trauma really settles in because then only you feel that hey but I've been violated you know and that was not a comfortable experience so I wish I had, had handled it differently you know I wish I had reported it the time that I that I did report it but um I heard so many stories about ladies or women who would report these stories and they'd further be sexually harassed you know or they would receive death threats or you know the process would take so long that it's it's not it's not worth your mental um stability you know so I just to protect myself I didn't and I didn't have the strength to report it either so to protect myself I didn't report it instead I dealt with it by myself and advice that I would give women is if you can report it definitely report it if you have the strength in that moment definitely do it but if you do not have that strength do not put yourself in a further traumatic position you know it may delay your healing process or it may alter your healing process and secondly the one thing that i did that helped me so so much is to own my story you know it's something that happened to me it doesn't define me it's you know like the same way that somebody can get mugged you know they don't have that tagged onto the to their back so i was like so the same with me it it's not tagged on my back it's something that happened to me an experience that happened to me does not define me i took so much power from that because i lost power but i took it back and i managed to just reaffirm myself that i am not what happened to me so that's just the advice that i would give women out there who experience it unfortunately This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Wits in partnership with the Latsati Healing Space.